friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am so excited that you're here. Each week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. If you're a longtime listener or if you're new to the happy hour, I want to mention the Christmas special that I did a few weeks ago with Jen Hatmaker. Make sure you listen to that episode in the last few days before Christmas because beyond having some really great gift ideas, the episode itself holds so much goodness. I super encourage you to check out episode number 63 if you haven't. One of this episode's sponsors is Mad Marketplace. And you guys, the vision of Mad Marketplace is so simple. To create a global consumer movement that matters. They're not just words. We want the difference we make to be global, they say. They want consumers to know of ways to be good stewards when they shop. Mad Marketplace launched an online retail store on November 1st. Who says shopping and making a difference don't go together? There are clearly more problems around us than there are solutions. As consumers, we can choose to buy differently and be a part of the solution. The mission of Mad Marketplace is to tell stories and to sell products and help people. As consumers, we're always shopping and do much of it online. Mad Marketplace wants to cater to online shopping by creating a shopping experience that provides a wide variety of unique and practical products. Tell the incredible stories behind each of them and provide a simple way for everyone to help others. Mad Marketplace's products give back in different ways. Some examples include buy one, give one, proceeds that participate in micro lending, sustainable living wages, empowering women, meal for meal, drop for drop, and restoring hearing. No matter what you buy, Every purchase has a purpose. Check out themadmarketplace.com and be ready to make a difference this Christmas. And just for Happy Hour listeners, they're offering 25% off with the code MADHAPPYHOUR25. Guys, you're listening to episode number 66, and today's guest is Amanda Jones. And let me just tell you that you're going to love my conversation with Amanda. Amanda is a Jesus-loving Texas girl who's married to a preacher boy from Missouri. Together they have three kids, and they have a four-year-old church that they planted with their friends outside of Houston. Today we talk about baby bangs. Don't worry, it's going to make sense in a minute. We talked about the good and bad of ministry life and what kind of perspective you have to bring to it. And Amanda has basically been living in ministry her entire life. Her mom is Beth Moore and she's married to a preacher. So she has a lot of great wisdom on this. We talked about adoption, the emotions, and sometimes the messiness that comes in with domestic adoption and how to learn from lessons and gain strength from our trials that we go through. She just has a lot of wisdom on life and she is one of the most beautiful people I've ever met inside and out. Guys, you're going to love it. Here is my conversation with Amanda Jones. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. And I have to start with two funny stories to tell you. Okay. And they're both about you. Okay. So this should be fun, right? So the first one, I just sat down and I was about to call you to chat with you. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pull up her blog real quick because just in case, you know, I'm going to look at it, have it here. So I just typed in, you may have done this or know this. I just typed in baby bangs. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. And so your blog is what? Say it all out. Uh, it's babybangs.blogspot.com. Okay. So that's you. But if you just yes. type in baby bangs and then you click on the first thing, uh-huh. they are act- there is actually a product out there that you can buy yes. that is a, a ready-to-wear hairstyle headband. <laughs> For your baby yeah, girl. For babies. If she doesn't have any hair, like most babies don't, you can buy right. a wig for her. It's special. I it's, don't even know what to you say. You knew about this. Well, I think that that came out after I had my blog already. I don't think that I like knew about that whenever I named my blog. So it it, says, my, my blog is like nine and a half years old now. So It says the hair plus the band has been made using only the finest ribbons and fabrics plus <laughs> our baby bangs. Come to you pre-customized and size appropriate, cut, styled, and ready for immediate wear. 
Oh, man. It's just very interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. And there's the cutest baby on here, and she's adorable without hair. And then the next picture next to her, she's got a full head of hair. I'm like, this is so crazy. I don't even know what to say. I really don't. Okay, so if you're you're pregnant and you're about to have a baby girl, would you yeah, buy a baby having, girl wig for we're her? We're having baby bangs round three for me, <laughs> but no, I'm not buying, I am not purchasing baby bangs ever. That will never happen. So where does your blog, Baby Bangs, come from? Um, you know, I started it right after my son was born and uh, back in 2006, in March of 2006, and I had... Um, just uh actually it had a I think it just had a different name. I think it was like Jackson Jones um dot blogspot.com or something like that. And later I changed it. But it was because um you know when you you lose all your hair, like when you're pregnant your hair doesn't fall out for a long time and your hair is glorious and thick. And then a few months after birth it starts falling out. And so like right around your hairline or at least for me um is where a lot of it fell out. And then when it started growing back, I had these tiny little bangs that were growing in. Yeah, so baby bangs. And I remember being excited because I would see uh, a picture of Katie Holmes, Uh um, who had had Surrey around the same time that I had Jackson. And she had baby bangs. And I was like, see, it's like a real thing. It's normal. I have another girlfriend here, now that you say that, that wore a headband for like literally the first year of her daughter's life. And that's what she told me why, yeah. Yeah, yep, it's a thing. So round three is coming up for me soon. Round three is coming up with the baby bangs. And you do have beautiful hair. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do have that. Okay. So my second funny story about you. Okay. It must, this must have happened. We must have been emailing about coming on the show or something. I don't know why you are on my mind, but I had a dream that I went to breakfast with you and your husband, Curtis, which I've met one time and your Uh mom and we had breakfast tacos in Houston. That was my dream. <laughs> it's like, I woke up and I'm like, that's so random. Like, I've only, you know, I've only that's met you so once. Funny. Is that correct? Um, I think, I think I met you once in Houston and then I would have seen you at the, um, uh. at that first if thing. Yes, 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 yes. A couple of years I ago. I forget about that. Thing. So, but, but I don't think that we like talked in depth at that at all. Right. Yeah. So you do need to come to Houston and have breakfast tacos with me and my husband and my mother. I would love that. And y'all, ha- I mean, so here's, people always ask about Texas and they're like breakfast tacos because we cl- claim in Austin to have the best ones, right? Like we, okay. well, we claim to be the best at everything here in Austin. We're kind of, okay. we're kind of prideful like that. But I grew up in Houston, but Amanda, I don't remember breakfast tacos being such a thing until I moved back here. Okay. Is, I don't you're remember from Houston, having, so tell me yeah, what you, your okay. memory is. Yes, I love breakfast tacos, but I don't remember having them as a kid. Um, I think that I got introduced to breakfast tacos when I was in college. And my friend um, taught me about at 11 o'clock at night, you could get taquitos at Whataburger. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and in college, that's everything. So yeah. that was my like introduction to breakfast tacos. And I still love a taquito from Whataburger like so much. Who doesn't, um, especially at 11 o'clock at night? I know, I know. And now, supposedly, you can't get them late at night anymore, and it's devastating. That is devastating uh, to all colleges around it's Texas. Terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. So, um, but we do, I love breakfast tacos, and um, I think we have pretty good ones in Houston, but I have not been to Austin in a really long time uh, to just, like, eat, which, you know, is my impression of what you do when you go to Austin is you <laughs> eat all the food. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I I will have to, you know, I'll keep an open mind that maybe Austin has a leg up on us, but 
we have Houston is so big, mm. so it's it's yeah. kind of like you know it's like seven Austins, like yeah. We have a pretty good chance of having the best one somewhere in in this city. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, that was my dream, which was just hilarious, but I would love to come have breakfast with your family. Please do. Yes. And um, so your family, you have a sister? I do. Who lives in Houston, right? I'm yes. guessing. Okay, yeah. Yes. And Her name is Melissa. Melissa, which she too has beautiful hair. Y'all have like she, beautiful hair, sisters. You're sweet. She has gorgeous, gorgeous, like really dark, beautiful hair. Yeah. And then um, your mom and dad, people might not know your mom, people will probably know who she is, is Beth Moore. Uh-huh. That's right. So you grew up. Now, but speaking, I have a question about this growing up with your mom is Beth Moore. Okay. Um, which you can just tell her a little personal story from me. Okay. I'm sure that you hear this all the time. And so I'm sorry if this is annoying. It doesn't bother me. Okay. Um, but when I, I think from the small conversations we have, we might have some of the same similar stories, you and I. So okay. when I was growing up, I grew up in the church, um, thought I would have called myself a believer, but I, I kind of was a crazy woman for a while. So, uh-huh. um, I'm not putting my story on you, but I was a crazy woman <laughs> for a while. And I went to passion when it was in Dallas and I get confused on the years. I think it might've been like that January of 1999. Okay? Yes. Okay. Yep. So I went to that passion. I was in college and I was not following Jesus. Um, but really like struggling with this inner turmoil of like, I feel like I'm missing something, you know, yeah. but I would have called myself a Christian, but I just felt this void. Anyhow, yeah. at that passion, I sat in that arena and, um, your mom spoke and I don't even think I knew who she was. And, um, yeah. I wish I could remember what she talked about, but I felt as if she was looking at me, you know, it was oh, one of those moments. We yeah. all have those when we're in like some kind of situation and someone's talking and you're like, are you talking to me? Like this is, yes. <laughs> and uh-huh. I felt like she was talking to me. And it was from that passion experience that God really started moving in my life. That's awesome. I know. So I kudos to passion. So I mean, they do amazing things. I know. Jeez. They are just tremendous. And yeah. I have a similar, you know, Passion 98 I went to with my mom. She drugged me there kicking and screaming. It was in Austin. So how old I, were you then? I was a senior in high school. And okay, I didn't, so I'm a I didn't know what it was. And she just did a breakout session that year. She wasn't on the main stage. Okay. Um, but I got there and I never have seen so many, you know, college students, you know, worshiping God. And it it was so impactful. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to walk with God so much after that. And then I, I got home and like, it was like the enemy was waiting for me to come home and just, uh, the things that occurred after that were very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. No, I understand. Yeah. It was a really dark time. And and then by the time I actually got to college in the fall to A&M, I, uh, the Lord helped me and uh, started to walk with some victory. You know, it's a long time coming. Things Mm -hmm. don't change overnight. That's exactly right. I remember all passion 99. I remember all of the passions after that, like different, different, um, kind of strides that I would have made by that mm-hmm. one. Um, so, And your mom what, was a main stage speaker at that, or was I in a breakout? She she was a, ma- in, okay. a main stage speaker in 99. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep, she was. So, you know, 
I, my husband's a pastor. Your husband's a pastor. You grew up with your mom in ministry. And I don't know what her ministry looked like in that time because I didn't even – I don't think I was yeah. aware of your mom's ministry until the following year even after that. Sure. Um, when you grew up, was your mom's – was she doing ministry? I, I'm assuming yes. not like now, but was she doing ministry? She was. Um, she would leave um, every other weekend and go speak at some kind of women's retreat. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And we, you know, my dad would be home with my sister and me. And she taught a Sunday school class forever, as long as I can remember, on Sundays. And it, that class was quite big. So um, she taught a Sunday school class at our church that was, it was pretty big. And um, I always knew that my mom, like people treated her in a special way. They, um, I knew there was something really special about her. And so I had that awareness from the time I was really little. And, you know, our family was a little bit unconventional. And then by the time I got to college, she was doing uh, like big events with Lifeway. Okay. And Mm -hmm. was kind of doing these regional events. And so um, she was, when I got to A&M, like a lot of people knew who I was and they knew who she was. How was that? Walking in as a freshman? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so the ministry had started to kind of enlarge mm-hmm. at that point, but it sort of grew up with me. Yeah. So it wasn't, um, I, I think that we kind of, my sister and I always lived in a fishbowl a little bit, but when it got pretty intense, like I was already in college. Yeah. Okay. So and are you older or younger than your sister? I'm older. <clears throat> okay. So you're married to a pastor. I'm married to a pastor. You grew up with your mom in ministry. Do you ever like, because I think about this. I don't know if you think about this. I always think about like, am I r- raising my kids well with parents yes. that do ministry? Like, yeah. Oh, I, I just like, because I, sometimes I feel like Aaron and I swing the complete opposite where we're like, yeah, because we don't want to be, we don't want our kids to, um, to kind of like have grudges against the church or that. And I've started traveling, you know, like that. And are they going to hate that their mom did that? And um, and their dad's out of town. I mean, it's just like these, all these yeah. things that you think about. Do you, how do you and Curtis deal with that? Well, you know, that's something on my mind a lot. And um, my kids will have pressures being actual pastor's kids that I didn't have. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, as a ministry kid. But I do understand the um, the sacrifice that you basically you share your parent with people. Yeah. And sometimes you have a good attitude about that. And some, some days you just don't feel like sharing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old yeah. and some days I don't want to share my mom, but some days it's my great joy right. to, um, to know that I'm, I have gotten to be part of something bigger than our family, it's something true. really cool that God has done. And it's really humbling and so awesome. You know, so, when you say that, it makes me think. I've gone, and I don't know if you've done this. I've gone through seasons when I've been like, man, I don't want to share my husband. Yeah. You know, he, yes. he's not traveling as much <laughs> as he has before in the past. But I'm like, man, I wish that you were, I wish that you were home with us on a Sunday. You know what yeah. I mean? Like those kind of yeah. things. But it's, you're right. You get to like, some days you feel that way. And other days you're like, wow, what, how gracious is God that he lets us be a part of this? Yeah. Yes, Exactly. I remember exactly. I, I read something one time about um, Billy Graham 
and his wife and how, you know, back in the day, I mean, there was no like cell phone, no Instagram, no Skype, nothing. Billy Graham was on the road and on the road, yeah. you know, yep. no contact with his family. Um, not like we have now. And I remember reading that she used to tell her kids like, cause I'm sure that those, there were struggles with a yeah. dad that's gone. Sure. And she used to tell her kids like, what a great joy that God chose your daddy to do this yeah. and that we get yep. to be a part of that. And so yeah. I've told my kids that often, like, what a great joy that like God chose your dad or, you know, yeah. our family. And I think I have, I'm, when I'm telling them that I'm also preaching to myself, you know? <laughs> yes. And I think it's, it's our responsibility as mom and wife to like, we're always observing and we're, we're kind of living in that tension of, yes, this is our ministry, but we also, you know, when we see that, um, the kids tanks are getting empty, like we speak up and mm-hmm. say, okay, we need to buckle down. Yeah. We need to be at, at home more this week mm-hmm. or yep. we need quality time with each of the kids. Yeah. So I'm, I try to be pretty vigilant about that. And I read a book by Barnabas Piper, who's uh, John Piper's son, mm-hmm. um, last year. It was actually on my time hop today, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, it's, he wrote a book called The Pastor's Kid. Okay. And he um, interviewed a ton of like ministry kids. And so the whole book, um, it's, it's, it really was eye-opening, and it, it made me sad at different parts, and it made me laugh and kind of encouraged me at different parts, too. But I would definitely recommend it for any, um, anyone in ministry that has kids. That's good. That's really good because it is something that we have to think about. Yes. Do your kids understand the gravity of your mom's ministry? Uh, no. Yeah, they they're don't. so young. No. It's just like grandma. Yeah, they they kind of um, they kind of get it a little. Well, they they understand that there's something special and different about her. Um, just like you know, if we're at the mall together, or if she has them somewhere, sometimes people will come up and try to visit uh-huh. with her, uh-huh. and they notice that. And yeah. she tries to kind of uh, let that those experiences be very brief whenever the kids are around. Yeah. But uh, they definitely kind of know. Um, that, that there's something and they, they, I let them watch, uh, one of her Bible study videos with oh, me that's for fun. minutes at time. And I think it was one where she was talking about them and they just totally ate that up. And I'm sure it. they thought that was awesome. <laughs> I have did. some kids that like, I have one kid that would love it if I talked about him all the time on sure. the show and the air yeah. mentioned all the time. And then I have another one that's like, please don't say my name. Please don't yeah. say my name. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Really, really funny. Okay. Yeah. So you and your husband, Curtis, Y'all yes. live in which part of Houston? North of Houston? We live in Northwest Houston. Okay. Yeah. And y'all have planted a church four years ago. Yes. Which I've never done that, but I hear that's like one of the hardest things in the entire world. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Um, but, you know, pastoring a church that already exists has its own challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so either way, you have challenges. You just kind of, which set of challenges would you like to have? Is which, kind of Exactly. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. It's going to be hard no matter what. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So y'all planted this church, Bayou City Fellowship. Is that right? Yep. I love it. And we have, I think I have some friends that, well, the Parkers, uh-huh. um, Deborah Parker, who's been on my show and is a friend of yours and mine, um, go there. Who's y'all's worship pastor? Um, our worship pastor is Micah Dean. Okay. And he leads every week at Spring Branch. That's, um, that was our first campus. 
And then our second campus to open up is in Cyprus. And Robbie C. is our um, oh, worship pastor. Oh, Robbie, yeah. I, yeah, Robbie's awesome. That's great. Yeah, Aaron really likes Robbie a lot as well. Okay, so you all have this church that you planted. You have two kids. And then do you care if we talk about what went on last year? No, I don't. Okay, well, let's talk about that. So okay. tell me exactly what led you and Curtis towards adoption. Um. Well, we had, um, you know, I have always had a heart for adoption, but I had a lot of fear for a long time. And I remember I, I started reading your blog, Jamie, like years ago. I, Probably I mean, with all the adoption and, talk, huh? Yes, yeah. all of it. Yeah, for sure. And um, we had an experience in my family uh growing up that I had a brother for seven years and he, um, we didn't like legally adopt him. It was like a family kind of situation. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, um, he was there for seven years and then he went back to live with his birth mom. And so, um, I won't get into all of that, but it was, it was really difficult. And so I had a heart for adoption, but I had some like pretty big, scars. Yeah. How old were you and when that I went was, down? I was like fourth or fifth grade when he came to live with us. And then I was a junior in high school when he okay, left. So you're a big kid. I mean, you remember yeah, this, you have I, feelings, yeah. you got, I yeah. Okay. All of it very yeah. well. Yeah. So, and about the time that he was four years old when he came to live with us. And so when Jackson turned four, somehow in my mind, like I was, that was triggering me all the time. Hmm. And I thought about it a lot. It was really, um, it was really on my heart and I, um, but I was also afraid. And so anyway, just over the next few years, I think I got some confidence as a mother and I thought, um, and also, um, I became really close friends with, um, our women's pastor who has several adopted children. And I just, my fear started to go away mm -hmm. and I, we wanted to add to our family. We actually started to, um, to try, I guess three years ago, um, almost to, uh, to add to our family biologically. And then it was really weird because, um, the night that I found out that I wasn't pregnant, which wasn't a big deal. It was like the first month that yeah. we were trying. Um, I, I was not pregnant. I knew that night, it, but then I got a text from my best friend saying, Hey, have you guys thought about adoption before? Um, and I was like, uh, well, the Lord has heard from me about this many times. <sighs> I said, is there, is there a baby? Are you talking about, is there a baby right now that you know of that needs a home? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes, there is. And so, um, I couldn't sleep that whole night. I was like, Lord, are you, are you in this? Are, are, is this something that you want us to look into? And, um, so I basically stayed up all night praying and by the morning, you know, like a mother's heart is just so, um, I don't even know the word, but I was, I was ready to go. Mm, and yeah. my, husband, <laughs> uh, my husband was like, okay, well, we'll walk through the door until it closes, until it closes, mm -hmm. if it closes. So for a few days we were talking, um, about this little one and the door did close a few days later, but by then my heart was like, okay, I, I would like to adopt. Okay. Um, you know, domestically a newborn. Mm -hmm. I had faith for that. I didn't, I don't think that I had really the faith at that time for like an, an, interna an international adoption mm -hmm. or foster care, but this was something that I, I could be comfortable with. Um, so 
um, we ended up um, knowing about a um, an agency that needed families. Mm-hmm. They were they really needed families um, at that time, and so we went through the process of um, applying and doing all the things that you have to do. Um, so that was basically February through August, um, and then in August we were matched with a mom mm-hmm. who was expecting. And um, that's when things got very interesting. (laughs) And um, so we walked with her for about six weeks, I think. And you met her and... Yes, we met, we had many meetings with her and loved her very much. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really like the Lord um, gave us a love, like a sisterly, like I felt like she was my younger sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a neat time and just a time of walking by faith, like in a crazy way. Yeah, uh, like because those are those heard. are awkward converse. Those are awkward meetings. Those are yes. awkward conversations. You yes. know, it's just sure. the whole thing about it is difficult, and so it is like you need God's grace through the whole thing. Right, right. And I knew that I could be really hurt, um, but it was like, okay, well, you can't really protect yourself. You can be wise, but you can't really protect your heart. So I just was trusting that Jesus was going to heal my heart if I got hurt in this. So, um, so the baby was born in October and I was there, um, in the room. I was there. Uh huh. And, um, she wanted me to be there. And so I was there and I spent, you know, basically two days in the hospital with her and the baby and then um, my birthday was that Monday, and I showed up at the hospital and was there for a few minutes. And then basically the social worker came and told my husband and I to leave the hospital <laughs> and um, that, you know, she needed space to think. And then it, it was like over. That was um, it. Yeah, that was it. And I could not have imagined how painful that was going to be. Mm. Not only, um, you know, the loss of... Um, that baby, you know, the dream of that baby mm-hmm. being in our family that we had been holding for two days mm-hmm. and, you know, anticipating for six weeks, but also the relationship with her, mm. with the mom, uh, who we both loved very much and I felt really close to. So it was really hard. And then my husband was like, we're out. We're not doing this ever again. <laughs> and, you know, I had a nursery upstairs with like diapers and wipes ready to go. Mm-hmm like an open package of diapers ready to go. And, um, and for my husband to say, um, I, we're not doing this ever again. Like it's over. Did he mean adoption or babies? Yes. Adoption. Okay. He said, you can have a biological child, but like, I could not wrap my mind around going from like, okay, we're ready to bring a baby home from the hospital to like then being pregnant right. for nine months. Yeah. Like I just couldn't yeah. make that transition at that time. So can we go back real quick to the hospital yes. real quick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last time that you left, you left. And then when you showed up, how, how was that like? So, I mean, the emotions of, because domestic adoption is hard because yeah. this is her baby, you know, and, and yes. until she says it's not her baby, it's her baby. Right. right. And we value that. And, and I hear Definitely. you that you love her and you value that. Yes. But we can't negate the emotions that were there right. for you, yes. you know, yeah. like. I mean, I think that I just want to be clear for everyone that you and I both are on the same page of this is her child, but your yes. emotions, she had, you every, can't change your emotions. No. 
She had every right to decide to parent her child. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I never would have, um, you know, argued with that. In fact, I remember um, seeing the bond between her and the baby mm. and, and it was extremely sobering for me. And I thought, how can this, how can this child be my child? Right. Like mm-hmm. when I'm seeing this. So mm-hmm. I know that would have, that would have been something that I would have had to um, grapple with if, if she had placed him yeah. with us. Yeah. But yes. So emotionally, and, and I, I fully acknowledge that like her pain, the amount of pain that I went through in the coming months was, I, it was awful. But what birth moms would go through, mm-hmm. like when they place their babies, yeah. I, I cannot even imagine how much pain that yeah. is. It definitely would have been more than what I was experiencing. Like no question about yeah. that. I've always said that too, you know, we have one child through domestic adoption. And I remember when he was placed with us, we had a 22 month old. So I had just, I, I, yeah. was, I had just done this birthing, nursing thing. And I remember thinking, golly, this has to be the hardest thing that this person will ever do in their entire world. Totally. The hardest thing. And so, okay, so you show up and, and they ask you to leave. And did you know then that it's over or did you know, oh, no, she needs some time? We did not know right away. Um, they, um, the social worker was coming in to visit with her and asked us to go into the waiting room. And so, you know, we just thought this is like a normal chat right. that they have mm-hmm. to have. And it was. But then she came to see us in the waiting room and said, I need you to leave the hospital now. And, um, so then we got about it or just like, Hey, she was firm. Okay. Um, she was not, you know, she was not trying to be friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, it was hard. It was kind of a hard moment. Um, so we left and it's my birthday. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Amanda. I don't even know. It was hard. So we waited for a few hours. We didn't speak on the way home. Like we we went to pick up our kids from my friend's house. And we didn't even know what to say. And so then it was like maybe later that day or the next day that um, we got a call from our agency, you know, that it was what had, what was really going on. Okay. And, and then we knew it was over. Mm-hmm. So. And then did you ever see the mom again? I have not seen her again, but we communicate and, um, and that is a gift. So I really uh, value that we, it took a while for that to happen. It took a few months, mm-hmm. um, but we do communicate and I have gotten to see pictures of that little one mm-hmm. and uh, be able to encourage um, her and uh, just continue to love on her. And I, I still feel, um, you know, like we have a bond. That what a gift. Yes. It's weird. Yeah, I, it's weird. I mean, I was with her during the birth of her mm-hmm. child. So like I told her, you're kind of you kind of are not going to be able to get rid of me very easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had this weird experience together, but mm, it's so I true. know, yeah, I know I have the, I have a sweet little baby in my womb right now kicking me. And, um, you know, at this point I know that what was supposed to happen happened and I have peace about it now. It took a while for that peace to come, but. So um, what were those next couple of months like? They were terrible. Um, (laughs) would you say like the hardest thing you've ever walked through? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of grief, but my husband didn't. And, um, so that caused a lot of, um, tension between us, Mm -hmm. tremendous amount. And so we ended up going to counseling in that in January. So that happened in October. And then we went to counseling in January 
And it was so good for us, just incredible for us. And um, he helped us to kind of um, get on the same page again. Mm -hmm. Our counselor did. And he uh, is also a pastor, so he kind of understood um, that dynamic of our lives. So, and then eventually we did um, become open to trying again Mm -hmm. with, with adoption Y'all did. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, we tried it actually two more times. So, okay. uh, and neither one of those worked out either. Okay. So, but um, they weren't as dramatic as yeah. the first, yeah. as, you know, that, that time. What did that time look like for your kids? Because you don't have these little kids that don't understand what's happening in your yeah. world. I mean, Jackson, you know how old is he? Jackson was very aware of what was happening. For sure. And... Um, my daughter w- would have been four. Okay. So my daughter was not as phased by it, but my son definitely understood what was going on and knew that it was a boy, that, um, that baby that we had, mm-hmm. uh, been in the hospital with. And, um, I did not, pret- I made some mistakes there that I shouldn't have made. And now, now I know better, but we were much better about protecting them the next two times. They didn't know anything. Gotcha. They had no idea, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was very hard to tell my son, like we, that baby is not going to be in our family. It was, I will not forget uh, the look on his face um, Mm. when I had to tell him that, but the Lord gave a lot of grace, um, but they saw me cry a lot (laughs) for probably the next year as we continued to journey through that. Um, And I, I just have to trust God that somehow, um, that will add to their ability to be compassionate and empathetic with people in mm-hmm. life. Yeah, and I think that I think that that is so true. Like walking through hard stuff as a family and as like spouses, it, it, when you live in a house, it's kind of hard to hide those things when your kids yeah. start getting where they're aware. Yes. Um, but I pray those same things. Like you know, we have some situations in our house, and sometimes I'm just like, God, I just I I trust you that this is not in vain, and I trust you yes. that this is your plan, and I trust you that you use everything. Um, to sanctify us and bring you glory. And so I'm asking that for my kids, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> this is what we yeah. need right now. Yeah. Oh, so that was hard. And then what, and so after the two adoptions, is that when you were like, and then were y'all open to having more kids biologically? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I don't mean to ask, like, was it planned? No, that, I hate that okay. question, but yeah, you know what no. I mean? Um, when we, the last, the last attempt that we made when it was over, like we realized, okay, this is not going to happen for us. Like for some reason, God is allowing us to be sort of sifted right now through this. And, and this is not going to, this is not going to happen for us. We just had that, that sense that, that we were done. And, um, so, but I tell you what, I don't want anyone to listening to this who wants to adopt or, you know, um, I don't want anyone to be afraid. And if if God had had that purpose for us, it would have come through no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like it would have happened. It For whatever reason, God did not have that for us. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't happen. But So I don't want anyone to be afraid. Yeah. But we knew that, that, that we needed to um, exit that situation. And then it took a few months for me to be able to kind of wrap my mind around um, having a child biologically. And eventually I did get there and, um, we were going to see, 
um, our coworker, who's our kids pastor, she had her first baby in uh, on November 11th. And we went up there to see her little baby, and it was so awesome. And we both had this moment at the hospital like, okay, we could do this again, right. and uh-huh. we want to do this again. And so what's so funny is actually my due date is her birthday. Oh, my that gosh. That little baby's birthday. Isn't that fun? That is hilarious. Yeah. So um, I love that. And I just heard you when you were talking about if anyone wants to adopt and everything, and I remember you saying that you had so much fear going into this. Yeah. Do you feel like that even though you had that fear and then all of this that you went through, do you still feel as though God like healed you of that fear and helped you with that fear, even though the outcome isn't how you thought yes. it would be? Yeah. You know, I look at that as a victory. Like Satan does not get to say um, that he won mm-hmm. because I was not, a, I did not live in fear of adoption. We, God actually helped me through that mm-hmm. and God helped me through my worst fear, which was, you know, getting my heart right. split open. Mm-hmm. And he helped me through that too. And he was gracious because, you know, it could have, it could have really been worse. We could have brought a baby into our home yeah. that would have been with us for weeks. Mm-hmm. And then the mom changed her mind, which yeah. would have been her right to do that. Uh-huh. Um, but he did not allow that to happen. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that so much with what our family had gone through in our past. So, so what would you say, that, I mean, there's bound to be someone listening that has kind of walked a, a road similar to this. Uh-huh. Those months and that year were just like horrific for you and just emotional. But what were some of the things that helped you get out of bed and mother your kids and yeah. put one foot in front of the other? What were some of those things? <laughs> um, I played um, certain songs. Um, I had like a playlist. It was like, I think I called it my playlist for a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I played these certain songs over and over again. And um, that was really helpful. And I read some books. Well, I read a book about grief that was amazing. It's called um, A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer. Okay. And it was incredible. That was a really helpful book. I learned a lot about grief, which I think is going to serve me pretty well throughout our um, ministry as Le- you know, leading, leading a church. A church. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The older I get, the more I'm like, I need to learn about grief because I'm. it's starting to pop up everywhere around me. You know, yeah. when you're in your 20s, yeah. it doesn't seem like a big deal. Sure. 37, every, I'm like, yeah. oh, there's <laughs> grieving people all around me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has their, every human being has their season of grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or season. And it's not even from death. I mean, I think I used to associate people grieve because of death. But sure. you can grieve the loss of like you like of a dream or the loss sure. of anything. I mean, you can just the right. list is long. So yes, okay, right, yep. Um, and I had uh, our families were so supportive, and um, I have some really close friends who walked through the valley with me. And uh, Deborah Parker was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other friend Krista, um, and and just so many friends, but that would just listen to me when. Gosh, I'm sure they were so tired of hearing about it all the time. That's when you have good so, friends when when you're yeah. saying the same thing over and yes. over again, and they don't ever look at you and be like, "Amanda, you need to get yourself together." You know, yeah. they just yeah. let you do that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's incredibly valuable to have that quality in a friend. So, do you feel like that you and Curtis are stronger together now? For sure, yes. And you know, whenever we went into the counseling office for the first time, you know, that's a hard moment. It's very humbling to do that. Yes. Um, but I would not, I would not have believed 
myself if I had said, if I had appeared to myself and said, you're going to be stronger, Mm -hmm. you know, a year from now. And uh, I would not have believed myself, but, um, but the Lord just did an awesome work between us. And it's just a miracle because I, there's no explanation for how that happened except just his grace. But we definitely are uh, more unified. Uh, The enemy had, had just come to divide us and the Lord reunified us. So I, Love that. And I know that it is a scary place to walk into a counseling office. Um, I've done that myself. And you're like, ah, I don't need this. I'll be fine. And then you realize, geez, God is so wonderful to give such yes. smart people the words yes. to tell us yes. um, how much God loves us and what he can do for us. So totally love it. Hey, guys, before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about love with food. Lovewithfood.com is the easiest way to snack smart and do good. Discover and try the best organic or all-natural snacks delivered to your door for as low as $10 a month membership fee. They also have gluten-free membership available as well. For every box that they send, at least a meal is donated to feed hungry children in America. To date, Love With Food has donated more than 700,000 meals. What are you gifting this holiday season? What about a gift that gives back? Love With Food Snack Subscription is a great way to try and discover new and all-natural snacks delivered to your door monthly. Is a great gift that keeps on giving. Use code LOVEJAMIE to save $5 on any subscription plan today. Go to lovewithfood.com. Why not give Love With Food this holiday season for a gift? It's a gift that keeps on giving. All right, guys, back to the show. Okay, well, let's talk about this. You're having a baby. Yep, having a baby. So by the time this airs, I think you will have already had the baby. But yes. Um, Tell me, like, do you have a birth plan? Are you one that's like natural? <laughs> do you have a playlist, some special candles? Tell me what birth no, looks like for you. No, I I can't stand candles. I have like an allergy to candles. Okay. So I have candles in my house, but I never like, they never get lit. Therefore, so, like just, they look good. Yeah, they look good. And I can smell them a little bit if I put my nose <laughs> down in there, but like, I don't need to smell the candles. Um, You know, I'm an epidural girl, so... um. But this baby right now has been breech basically the whole pregnancy. Okay. So I don't know what's going to go down. Is she, she still may, breech? She's still breech, and I'm 32 weeks. Okay. So this is definitely a, a different ball game for me. Yeah. Yeah. Can't they so. do like all kinds of crazy things where they just do some ungodly amount of pushing on your belly <laughs> and the baby flips? Like I've that seen is, it done, and it looks that like that is an option. Yes. That, that looks is miserable. A, Yes. For the mom and the baby. (laughs) Yes. I watched a video and I was horrified by that. It just looked so, it looks so painful, but. um, You know, the baby has to be so mad. They're like, y'all, I'm so comfy. Stop pushing on me. Yeah. My doctor did tell me that it it makes the baby a little mad. I would think so. uh, I'd be mad. But I, someone sent me this uh, website called Spinning Babies. And so uh, it has some like different exercises that you can do if your baby's breech. And so my husband helped me do a couple of them a couple nights ago, and it was hilarious. Like, I literally, like, propped up an ironing board from the floor to my couch, and I laid on it. Oh, gosh, like a ramp? (laughs) Yes, like a ramp. I laid on it with my head down for 20 minutes. And I was like, am I really doing this? Yes, I'm really laying on an ironing board in my living room watching TV kind of upside down and sideways with my husband. Trying to get this baby to move. Trying to give her some room to turn. Uh, Do you have a name picked out? 
we do have a name and we, we always hold it close until the birth just to leave some something special. And also my, my, my main reason is I don't want to know people's opinions. Of course not. Cause we're like, Oh, yeah. I had an aunt named that once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my dog's I name. <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yes. Okay. Well at the end of the show, I'll tell you the name because, um, she'll be here. Yeah. So when at the end, I mean, when I, at the, when I just talk without you, I'll let everyone yes. know what you named your baby. Sure. Awesome. That would be perfect. We, um, do y'all pick names because like it has like a, a strong biblical name or you or it's a family name? <laughs> we just uh, pick names we like. Like that's that's yeah. that's what we do here. Your all of your kids have great names. I love um, my kids' names, but they're all just like, oh, that's a great name. Like not many. Yeah. Many. Yeah. yeah. No, we just liked. Uh, we thought Jackson Jones just sounded really it strong. Does. And his middle name is for his daddy. It's Jackson Curtis. Okay. Um, so, but one day he was like, why didn't y'all name me a, bi- a biblical name? <laughs> like, what? But he was then, he listed out all of his friends with Bible names. And oh. there was like a lot of them. So yeah. he felt left out. So it was like, we were like, that was a parenting fail. <laughs> That's so funny that he would notice. I know. Isn't that hilarious? What a pastor's kid. Oh my gosh. Um, and then our daughter, Annabeth, is uh, the best part, you know, is to honor my mom. Okay. So, yeah. So that was, that was definitely family yeah, oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this so one, cool. this one is just because I like it and I think it's pretty. Okay. Well, I cannot wait to know. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're having a baby and then um, it's going to be Christmas. Yeah. What Christmas. does Christmas look like for your family? Do y'all travel? Do you do big stuff? How do you do gifts? Tell me everything you do for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're just kind of a traditional family as far as um, the way we do gifts and stuff. Like, um, we don't um, do like really super spiritual stuff around Christmas. Like, I I didn't grow up doing like Advent stuff, mm-hmm. so um, I haven't really gotten too into that in my adulthood, but, um, we well, enjoy can I Christmas tell you stuff. real quick that we do the advent, the little things on the tree. Yeah. But we've never done all of them. Like okay. we, we, we get to like, no, ones. we get to like 12 and then we like, we skip seven. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an, I feel like a, a failure every Christmas <laughs> and I just have to live in the grace, you know, that you have to live in the grace next year. We'll probably get to some of them that we didn't do the year before. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, but my husband is like Clark Griswold and uh, as far as like he gets really into putting the lights on the house. Okay. So he will start his plan. He'll start making a plan like before Thanksgiving. Okay. This cracks then, me up. Yes. So he, but, and it'll take him like a number of days. So he'll kind of complete phase one, ideally like Thanksgiving night. <laughs> and then it will continue to be added to for the next week. Um, okay. When you say plan, we're not just putting some lights around the mantle or no, like around the edge what, of the house. Like what the front of the house is going to look like. Okay. So, yeah. So he changes it every year and he really loves to do that. So, um, and then we, one of our family traditions is we always love to drive around and look at lights in different parts of town. So, and then your husband makes plans for next year by what he says. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he's especially when we're in river Oaks, he's like, Oh, I'm you know. going to do that next year. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, my kids beg us every year to put Christmas lights on our house. And do we, you not do it? No. I mean, I never grew up putting Christmas lights on our house. I don't think Erin no. did either. To me, I'm like, guys, this is such a waste. Look at me. I'm like a, a lame mom. Literally, no. one of my kids. Like you're doing Advent. You're like, well, you know, half you're, of it. <laughs> you're focusing on the godly stuff. <laughs> half of the days of Advent we get through. But yeah. I'm, we're going to surprise our kids, especially my son Amos. I think that he he 
he, and I should be a better mom about this because he just wants like extreme of everything. And I'm such a minimalist, like, why would we need to do that? And then I'll be like, look, I can put lights up or buy you another gift. What do you want? Choose one. You know, I'm like such a mean mom. Um, But I should surprise him one year and just put lights up when he comes up one day because he would really like that. You should just let them like do it, like give them some strands and see what they do in the bushes. That's a great (laughs) idea because we have, we like have given them lights that go in their room and stuff. I should just give them a box because half of it is the work. I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I should let them do it. Yep. That would be amazing. I want to see a picture of that. The neighbors would love that. They would yeah. probably want to like go by the bit. Do y'all do the blow up things too? Oh, no. Okay. No, we have not done those. I wouldn't make fun of you if you did. I was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> My kids would probably love that. They would probably really love that. Uh, do y'all travel either Thanksgiving or Christmas? Because I know yes. you have family in Missouri. But what is that yeah. going to look like this year? Well, um, normally we go after Christmas for at least a week up to Missouri to see my husband's family, and it's usually really cold and more Christmas weather than Houston, so that's pretty fun. Um, And we enjoy having that time under my in-law's roof, and it's just um, a great time with family. But this year, um, just with having, we'll have a little a little baby, um, my in-laws are going to come down and do Christmas with us here, and... um, so I will get to have my in-laws and my parents and everyone all together on Christmas Day Do at my mom's that? house. that? Yeah, we're uh, really excited. So it's kind of a, a one-year thing. Is um, it at your house? Oh, no. Okay, I was no, like, no. that's a lot of work, Amanda. No, that will be at my mother's house. Okay, so. good. Good. I do. I like, I'm like, I'm bringing you the grandchildren. And- <laughs> right. You handle the rest. <laughs> Yeah, and you're everyone's lucky if I'm able to buy a few presents for them. So um, you get a I, buy. Let's just be honest. Oh man! So the Jones family this year gets a big buy. Well, we have a new one. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna. Yeah, we're definitely going to take it a little easier this year. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, we do. Well, all of our fa- my family lives in Texas, and so we usually do something like a couple weekends before Christmas. Oh, okay. And then, I don't know if this is like y'all's church, what we do, but Aaron always works Christmas Eve. Um, I think since we've lived here, he's had one Christmas Eve off, you know. And so our Christmas Eve traditions changed drastically when we moved here. Like we, We used to like make homemade cookies and homemade pizza and just do all this fun stuff as a family. Yeah. And now I just take the kids to near to Christmas Eve service. Now that they're yep. older, they'll probably will be awake when Aaron gets home. But before that, it was like, I take them to service and then put them to bed. It was kind of yeah. like one of those like sacrifice things, you know, that sure. we talked about earlier. Yeah. But we have fun on Christmas day. We've kind of, I, I hope none of my family's offended by this, but we've kind of wanted to just, we just do our thing on Christmas sure. day. Um, and we always go see Elf. Um, oh, that's awesome. We go to the Alamo Draft House and it's do like, do they a, play it every year? They play it every year. It's called, they do these things called quota longs <gasps> and it is I'm totally so doing that. fun. Our kids love it. Um, you get like, um, not, what am I? They give you things to hold and shake what you would call oh a, my like God. a prop. They give you these props and it's so much fun. So we go every year and we've been bringing like, there's, you know, you know, there's some tons of like, you know, people on staff that don't have family. Yeah. Around, so they'll join us for dinner and now That's they're joining awesome. us for Elf. It's a lot of fun. So you do that on Christmas Eve? We do it on Christmas Day. That's Christmas, on Christmas Day. Oh, on Christmas Day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is even How crazier. Fun. Yeah. 
I grew up that when, as my brother and I got older, we usually would go see a movie on Christmas Day. Oh, we totally did that growing up. Yeah, like, like they always have new releases. Yeah, with the whole extended family, we used to do that, um, and that was so much fun. Yeah. I love that. That is such a fun idea. Yeah, so now we do Elf, and I mean, this will be like the fourth year. I guess it's just a tradition now. I guess you call that a tradition. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm an Aggie, so anything that you do like one and a half <laughs> That's times. That's exactly right. You'll call it a tradition. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay, I always ask my um, guests, what are three things you're loving right now in okay. your life? All right. Well, one of the things, I am a hot tea drinker. Like, yes, I know I love this about you. Yes. So I wanted to share for any of your listeners who are also hot tea fans, um, one thing that I love so, so much is I have a Breville tea maker. I think it's technically called the Breville One Touch Tea Maker. Okay. And... I guess like three years ago this Christmas, a bunch of my girlfriends pitched in and got it for me because it's kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really fun. It uses loose leaf tea and um, it's just it makes tea making really easy and um, pretty fun. So. So have you always been a tea drinker? Because I like cold tea. You like you know, cold like tea? Iced tea. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, and I like coffee. Um, yeah. So I think I would probably like tea, right? You well, I don't know, but if I made it for you, you might like it because you're a tea connoisseur. <laughs> yes, um, I think in America we really don't know how to make it very well. I okay. think we like make the common mistake of leaving the tea bag in the cup, and you're supposed to take it out after a couple minutes. Because you um, did you fall in love with tea? Did I read this one time? Um, actually, overseas. Yes, we were. Um, we did a five month term in England before we had kids. We went over there and did some like volunteer youth ministry, basically. And so before we went, I knew that they loved tea, and I wanted to be like culturally appropriate. Right. <laughs> so I trained myself to like tea. Now I have to use a lot of milk and sugar um, to like it. I like to drink black tea. So uh, what was funny is whenever we got over there, I was always offered coffee. Um, instead of tea, but, but anyway, uh, that was because I was an American right. and actually they do drink a lot of coffee there, but I don't like coffee. I wish I did. And I've always felt like, um, yeah. deficient socially because I don't I know. drink coffee. You do feel that way. What? You don't drink coffee? Yeah. What's wrong like, with you? Not, how could you be a grown up? Right. Um, I didn't so. start drinking coffee until child number two came along. Oh, okay. I was like a social coffee drinker. Like if we were at an event and they're like, here's dessert and coffee, I would kind of like put a lot of milk and a lot of sugar in it and down it. Yeah. Um, but then second kid, I started drinking it and now I drink two cups every day. Yeah. Do you love it? I do love it. And and now I drink it black, which is a new thing for me. Oh. I know. I did Whole30 in the spring and you know, you can't have anything oh, good. Sure. And so... Um, it, I had to drink my coffee black, and I've been doing it ever since. So I actually feel like a real grown-up now. When do you have your coffee? I make a cup that I drink with me on the way to taking kids to school. Okay. So, like, um, usually, like, you know, that's like 7.15. And then I get home, and usually start work. And so if I'm, like, like I made a cup right before I sat down to call you, like 9.30. So I'll usually have another one about that time. Okay, yep. I just feel it. I just feel like I need it in the car when I take the kids to school, and when I'm talking to someone for the podcast, I feel like I need one too. Like I don't know. Yeah. It's just a lot of it's habit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. Those rituals are comforting. Yes, I could be an Aggie. 
Yes, you could be, but but I'm not. But not in. You probably wouldn't have as much fun in Austin. You're probably having more fun as a Longhorn in Austin, I would guess. Yes. Okay. So the tea maker. What's your second thing okay. you're loving? My second thing is another item that my friends pitched in and got me. You have um, great friends, by the way. I do. I have the best friends in the Shout whole world. Shout out to all your friends. They're awesome. Big time. Yes. Um. So my grandfather died in May, and um, I spoke at his um his like little funeral service. And, um, I talked about how much my grandfather loved Ireland and he loved, um, St. Patrick's day and all of this. So they gave me a really pretty Kendra Scott necklace that is, um, the stone is green mm-hmm. and it was just like in honor of my grandfather. Aww. And so it's called the Kendra Scott rain necklace in green. And it's like a real long one and it has a tassel below it. And so I love to play with it. Um, whenever I'm wearing it, but I'm, I have really enjoyed just wearing that and thinking of my grandfather and also thinking of how loved I am by my friends. I was going to say, it's like double whammy. You think of your grandpa and think of your friends. Uh Uh-huh. And plus it's pretty. Yeah. Isn't, is Kendra Scott located here in Austin? Like their headquarters? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know either. I just know a lot of people. Well, I I should not speak on this because I don't know. I don't own anything, Kendra Scott, but I have a lot of girlfriends that do. And for some reason, I thought it was here in in Austin. It might be. I really, I don't know the answer to that. I know we have um, a a store in Houston, but I don't know where they started out. Okay. We'll have to find out where old Kendra Scott lives. Do some research. We'll do some research. Okay. So what's your (laughs) third thing? Okay. My third thing, my pregnancy craving right now Mm. is um, ice. Like I just want ice and I want to chew ice all the time. Um, which I have been told might be an iron deficiency problem. I don't even know, Oh, gosh. but, uh, we won't get into that, no. but, <laughs> but like I, a couple of weeks ago went to Sonic and I was like, I need a bag of ice and I just finished it yesterday. So you can uh, go to Sonic and ask for a bag of ice. You can buy a bag of ice at Sonic. Yes. It's awesome. Wow. So and then you just throw it in your freezer. Yes. For anyone who doesn't have the benefit of Sonic near their home. It's like little pellets of ice, like little pebble ice. So I'm glad you said that because I'm I'm like surely everyone in the world knows about Sonic. I know, but maybe not. I it's it's unfortunate, but they for, have the best ice. They do. They really have great ice. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you're craving ice. Yep. I'm sure so that's, that's great on your teeth like, too, Amanda. It's horrible. <laughs> I have one tooth that's like sore all the time. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, it's but so you got to do what you got to do. I need the baby to come soon so that I don't crack all my teeth. Oh, my gosh. Did any of your kids come early, your other two? No. Okay. No. So you're thinking you're going all the way to the finish. I will probably go all the way to the finish, Lord willing. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. What are you reading right now? Okay. You sound like a reader because you've mentioned several books in the show. You know what's hilarious is I'm actually not a great reader. Um. And I get books sent to me from publishers a lot. Uh And I'm always like, oh, man, y'all have the wrong girl. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not – I really love fiction. I haven't read any fiction in a while. But um, but I I do need books, you know, from time to time or often. Uh And so – but I just read – my mom has a new book called Audacious. Okay. And she gave my sister and me the first two copies that came – which is really fun, and she always signs them for us. Um, so I read that one, and it's um, kind of her, like, she got to thinking, if I had one more message to give in my life, like, what would I say? Oh, wow. And 
So it's about basically about audacious love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's just so her, it's, it's just so her heart. So I enjoyed reading that a whole lot. When you read, when I read books by authors that I actually know, like I'm reading For the Love by Jen uh-huh. Hatmaker, yeah. I read it in her voice. Or yes. when I read Jenny's book, I read it in her voice or Annie yes. Downs. I re- Do you do that with your mom? Totally. Yes. Yeah. It makes it so much better. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Okay, it's I really do that fun. as well. I, I when yeah. I do that, I think I want to have a conversation with every author so that then when I read their books, I can hear their voices. Yes, and what's fun about knowing an author um, like really well is like you can text them like, "Oh my gosh, I just read this. This was so awesome. What yeah. you said, I just laughed so hard, or you just made me cry with whatever story." Right. So that's that's a really fun thing about knowing some authors. Do you um, ever read anything before your mom puts it out? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. This one, actually, she wrote this one, like, in secret. (laughs) That's hilarious. She didn't tell our family that she was writing it until it was done. Why? Uh, Like, my sister knew because my sister works for her. Uh Uh-huh. But um, she didn't – she knew that we would tell her that she was crazy because her schedule's been so crazy lately. Okay, yeah. So she kept it on the the DL. (laughs) You're like, you're right, Mom. We would have told you that. But this is a great book. Way to go. I know. But I worked for her for eight years, and I, so my eyes were often the first eyes to see that some of the things that she wrote, and I loved to give her feedback or yeah. do, you know, some copy editing for her or whatever. Um, I'm the worst at feedback. I always tell friends, like, if I'm, like, teaching something, I'll never teach it unless people have seen it. Like, that just, because I'll get up there and say something awful, you know? So, but whenever someone sends me their stuff to read or like you, I'll get a book and they'll be like, Hey, can you read this? Yeah. I am the worst person to do this. I probably shouldn't say this or no one will send me their stuff anymore because here's what I do. I think everything is awesome. Yeah. I think that I'm so proud of you because of the work you put into this. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful. Like I, I cannot give feedback do you know, you know, well, those authors, they need to hear that, that, that so that's what I am for them. I'm the yeah, positive experience. You're the cheerleader. Else, I'm the cheerleader. Someone else can tell them that this paragraph doesn't make sense. But yes. me, I'm going to tell them that I'm proud of them. Oh yeah. I think that's so important. I think it's really hard for authors. Like they write this and then they have such a delay between yes, when so anyone well. really sees it and can give them feedback. And I think that that, that lag time is difficult, especially when, we're all used to putting out a blog post and getting immediate comments or Twitter, whatever. Um, so I think that that I think that that it serves a huge purpose, just encouraging those authors to keep Good. going. I'm be a cheerleader. Yeah. Um, okay, so you read that book. Yes. Oh, and I, right I had now, a question in my head. I'm sorry. I'm okay. going to go back to this. Someone asked me the other day. They're like, because Aaron's been speaking at church with his worship leaders, and he's like, do you read his stuff before he preach it, teaches? And I'm like, no, I never do. Do you read Curtis's stuff before he preaches? Oh, no. We don't even talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because we learned that, like, if he starts telling me what he's going to preach on, I'll be like, well, are you sure? <laughs> But he knows what he's doing, but, but I like sometimes like try, I poke holes in things and I don't, it's, it's just, you're not better. helpful. No, I'm not helpful in any way. So it's a surprise to me I love uh, that. When, I'm, when I'm there on Sunday morning and I get to hear him and he's, he's awesome. I love to hear him. Okay. Uh, I, I always wonder if people go over stuff before. 
Um, <laughs> I would probably be the same way with Aaron, and that might be why he doesn't bring anything to me before. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you'd have to ask Deborah Parker, but I think like when Ernest preaches sometimes that he will like preach his whole sermon to her. Oh, gosh. Like, you know, in practice. Uh-huh. I, I will, I will practice that. teaching in my room by myself. Sure. Um, but I think I would be self con I don't know why. I, Aaron loves me. He's my biggest cheerleader, but I think I would, yeah. it would be really hard for me to stand there with just him. Yes. Yeah. It's, wow. it's Good such a Ernest. weird thing. Okay, I know. So you read that book, um, by uh-huh. your mom, anything else? Yeah. Right now I am doing a Bible study by Priscilla Shire, mm-hmm. um, called the armor of God. And it's awesome. Have you seen her movie? Yes. Well, my mom's mom in it. it. I totally <laughs> forgot that. I haven't seen it. Yes. So your mom's in it? Like, does she have, like, does she talk? She talks. Well, what's hilarious is that she told us she's in it for two minutes, but then (laughs) Melissa and I went to the premiere in Dallas with her, Uh which was a lot of fun. And actually she was on it for like 30 seconds and she was like, I've lied to everyone. (laughs) Like it's, you blink and then you might've missed her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. So. Oh, that's wonderful. She has a really tiny role, but it was, um, they had a lot of fun. I think she only was up there filming for like one day, but she loves Priscilla so much. Um, My friend Winter Pitt, her daughter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh Oh, gosh. Her daughter's adorable and so talented. That's, I I love, she was on my show um, this summer and telling us about that story about how she got it and everything. It's just amazing. That's awesome. I need to go back and listen to that one. I love Winter. We met on our trip to Uganda. Um, okay, so Priscilla's Bible study. Anything uh-huh. else? Uh, that's it for now. That's it. So you need a fiction book in your life, you said. I do. I do need a fiction. Okay. I read, I've read. i read a handful of fiction books this year that I really like. The, um, let's see. The Husband's Secret, and then one more by this Lion Moriarty woman um, that I read, too, that I really liked, and it is called – I can't find it. Okay. I'll think of it. But um, did the the husband's secret did that make you feel paranoid that your husband had a secret? No, because it's kind of it's not like no. Okay. No, it didn't. <laughs> Although I okay. I would be the one in my life that would think that like that he had a secret. Because yeah. here's a story. I'm I'm going to finish with this. This is a story about it's how crazy I am. Okay? So one time Aaron was out of town and I, I promised to goodness that I did not go through his stuff, but one okay. of his journals like fell on the ground. I know it sounds shady, but oh. it really happened like this. And so, um, and he's a journaler. I'm not like, I don't write stuff down, but he does. Like he and, writes it all out. Yeah. Yeah. So it fell on the ground open I and mean, it's like a movie and I pick it up and I'm like, and I yeah. start reading it because I'm nosy like that. And it fell yeah. on the ground. So I had to, I mean, I just, you know, whatever. So I start reading it, Amanda, and he is talking about this um, this nicotine in his life that's like a cancer to his body. Oh. Um, and he he th- has been struggling with this for so many years. And I'm reading it and I'm like, my husband is a smoker. <laughs> he <laughs> And you don't even know. And I don't even know it. I mean, we've been married. He's for, hiding it really well. He's hiding it. We've been married for 10 years and he is addicted to nicotine <laughs> and I don't know. And so I kid you not, I closed the journal I went to his closet. I got up a stool. I went through every bag, every suitcase. I went through, I mean, this is crazy woman stuff. I go in the garage. I'm going through stuff because I'm convinced that he's hiding like marble cigarettes throughout the whole house. (laughs) And in the middle of the night, he's like chain smoking. Nothing to get smoking if people want to do it. I was just like, this is my, I was just so, 
So he comes home and I texted my girlfriend. I'm like, I didn't tell her what, but I was like, I just read a big secret in Aaron's journal. And I don't know what, I, I feel like he's been lying to me forever. For <laughs> 10 so years. So dramatic. She, and so she's completely worried that my marriage is falling apart. So Aaron gets home. I'm like, I need to talk to you. I sit him on the couch and I have his journal. And I said, I read something in your journal today that I want to talk to you about. And he like gets like, I mean, I'm sure he's like, what the heck is happening here? Oh my gosh. And so I open the book and I tell him and I'm like, tell me the truth. Like, are you a smoker? And he was like, Jamie, it's like a, a, it's like, I was just using a word like sin is like this nicotine in my body. And I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a songwriter. He's an artist. He's creative. It was, figurative. It was so figurative. And he's like, it's just like the sin that I, I, I want God to deal with. And it's like cancer. And I'm oh, like, man. I mean, we, we, for a moment I was like, I feel really glad that, that, yes. that I can trust you, <laughs> but then yes. I felt really stupid. Did y'all laugh? Oh, we laughed. Yeah. He actually was looking at me like, you're a crazy woman. When I told him I searched the entire house for cigarettes, he was like, there's something wrong with you. You think I could be a smoker for 10 years and you don't know it? That's hilarious. It was so funny. But no, the husband's secret did not make me feel like he had a secret. It's just a, it's a, it's a very easy read and about this, this little village that goes through stuff, not village town, whatever. All right. And they're all set in Australia. So that's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I wrote that down, so I'll look into that. There it is. There it is. Okay. Well, I love what you're reading. I love what you're loving. Thank you for sharing your intimate struggle that you went through. So (laughs) seriously, that's – people. I mean, people will be encouraged and inspired by that for sure. I hope so. So thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. Thank you for listening to all of my many words about it. It's I love them. And I understand, although we never walk that road, we still have – we've gone through grief in our life too, so – yeah. Yes. So yep. wonderful. Well, yes. and like I, like I tell everybody that's listening every time, everything, any links we talked about, any books, they'll be all up in the show notes. And I will also tell you guys in a few minutes what Amanda named her baby because when this comes out, the baby will be here. Awesome. And I can't wait. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Amanda. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Enjoyed Amanda as much as I did. Her ability to draw wisdom and strength from such a painful circumstance was so inspiring for me, and I hope that it was that way for you as well. I told you that I was going to let you know about her baby, and she had her baby about six weeks ago, and her name is Willow Rose Jones. Is that not just the most beautiful name you've ever heard? I think she's going to be like a beautiful singer one day, Willow Rose Jones. Guys, today's show is also sponsored by She Does Justice. She Does Justice is a lifestyle brand selling tees and accessories for women who are passionate about giving back. Shopping with She Does Justice gives you a simple, tangible way to give back to a cause that you care about. Each month, 10% of She Does Justice's gross sales go towards five different initiatives. Those are supporting adoption, empowering young women, healthcare in Africa, orphan prevention, and fighting sex trafficking. The best part about all of that is that you get to choose where the portion of your purchase goes. You're empowered to make a difference right from your computer. We're excited to offer all Happy Hour listeners free shipping with promo code Happy Hour, and hope that you'll join us in making a difference to get today. As usual, any books that we talked about on the Happy Hour, you're going to be able to find them at jamieivy.com slash happyhourbooks. Great way to just stock up on your reading for this winter, for the holidays. Remember also, everything we chat about is going to be up on my website, jamieivy.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter. I'm at jamie underscore ivy. Or on Instagram or Facebook, it's just Jamie Ivy, And share with me something that you love from this episode. I love hearing your feedback on what you loved. And I know Amanda would love to hear from you as well. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy. 
and the music is from Austin Stone Worship's A Day of Glory Christmas album that you can find on iTunes. Next week, my guest is my friend Sarah Bessie, who has a beautiful story about her pregnancy with her last baby and has such great perspective on being a great mama. Guys, enjoy your week. Share this show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you guys next week with my friend Sarah Bessie. Bye.